Welcome to the Worship Central podcast. We are passionate to see the worship and creativity of churches throughout the world set on fire. Join us as we explore what this might look like. Hello, welcome to the Worship Central podcast. It is March and we're so glad that you're joining us. We've got a great episode lined up. We're going to be talking about some of the things we've been observing around worship, this reset that's been happening. We're going to be looking at uh, some of the things Jeremy Riddle has spoken on in his new book, Reset. Uh, and we're going to just discuss what do we feel God is saying to us as the church in this moment. So it's going to be brilliant. But before we jump into all of that, we have Nick Herbert. You might not be able to see this, but he's wearing a very colourful hat and very, very large headphones. Um, <laughs> is, is everything okay, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> everything is wonderful and everything is wonderful. For this reason, we have the Gas Street EP launch. March the 12th, everybody. Worldwide, everywhere you listen to music, you're going to hear the six songs and honestly, we've worked so hard on it. It's sounding great. We're really, really out. We've been using all these songs at church and we can't wait for you to hear them. And I think there's going to be a launch and you can just get involved at some level. Nick, so. to give, give, share with people what, maybe one thing that you feel is really exciting about this EP launch. I think, well, for us, you know, it's been a journey. We've been here five years and we've just been building up with this story and narrative and building the church and these songs are the overflow of that so i think that's i'm excited about lots of things that's one of them another one is just the fact that we've got lots of people involved it's building the kingdom of god we you know we and we can't wait for you to hear them you know that's that's the thing we we absolutely can't wait for so come and join the journey um march the 12th guys everybody and it's called rewilding and uh, yeah we hope you love it now i'm going to hand over to luke hellebronf who's going to sort of shape and unpack what we're going to be looking at today in this podcast. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, and also on this podcast, as ever, we're joined by uh, my, my wife, the one and only beautiful Anna Hellebrunt. Um, Nick Drake. Hello. <laughs> Who is also in his own right beautiful. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Timothy. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> may, I, may I remind everyone he's... He's a reverend and a doctor, no yeah, less. So um, double whammy there. Um, but guys, we, we love these podcasts. And uh, uh, it's been awesome hearing um, you guys uh, feedback and, and tune in um, and letting us know what you're loving and, and all that. So these are great ways um, for us to, I suppose, unpack some of the things that we're thinking about. And we just hope and pray that it's um, beneficial um, and encouraging, uplifting, um, and all of that. One of the things, as Tim um, mentioned, is um, we've been, all of us have read uh, Jeremy Riddle's book called The Reset. And I know a bunch of you listening um, have also read it. And I've already been in numerous text conversations, emails, um, phone calls where, um, you know, we've kind of been wrestling with this, like, oh, Jeremy's hitting on some amazing stuff, some really hard hitting um uh, stuff and some elements um, to which you know of what we do, uh, where we really kind of need to grapple with this stuff and think through it and chat and pray and digest and all of that stuff. And so the dream really with this episode is we want to dig in a bit. We want to uh, talk about some things that he highlights 
And this really is kind of part one. And then part two, as you guys know, um, probably who are listening, we've um, been running these live sessions, live labs, and we're, we're running a few more coming up uh, March 17th, 24th, and 31st. And we're really excited that on the 24th of March, we've got Jeremy actually joining us. And so that's going to kind of be part two. Uh, so excited to hear from him uh, live and in the moment. Um, and so... A top knot now, I've noticed. Right. Something to tune in to see. Hair development is brilliant. How exciting. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and really, really where I want to start, and we'll frame, we'll frame it here, is, is really from his introduction to the book. Um, and he says this, I am writing this book to you as a man pierced. This is not the book I was inspired to write. This is the book I had to write. I'm writing it in the middle of my own moment of reset and wholehearted returning to the Lord. The Lord commanded, uh, commanded Isaiah to cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression. And so I suppose one of the things that we're going to do in this moment, in this podcast, but, you know, this time that we feel we're in of reset, of consecration, of repentance, of, of purity, of returning, is, um, is kind of just crying aloud together, figuring out together what is going on, what is the Lord doing, what's the Spirit of God doing, what is he, how is he moving on the earth, how is he moving in us, his church, his bride. Um, and so kind of to go straight in there, guys, I want to ask you, like, um, and, and feel free, whoever wants to kick off. But let's just kind of throw out some things that we've been sort of impacted by, deeply kind of troubled by, or things that have, you've been wrestling with. Um, who wants to kind of go first and just, uh, I guess, kick us into gear on this one? Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed reading this, really resonated. Uh, got a lot of admiration and respect for Jeremy. And I think he, he brilliantly speaks about um, some of the conflicts between uh, the purity of worship, the mess, the kind of, you know, simplicity of worship being this engagement encounter between humanity and God uh, with maybe the professionalization of, you know, getting paid to be worship pastors or if you're writing songs, some of the industry side of things and how perhaps we've jumped into following the ways of the world in terms of promotion, in terms of how we get music out, in terms of how we do events. And actually, have we, uh, has a lot of this stuff become polluted? And I think it's really uh, important things. Uh, you know, I guess the thing I, I found myself thinking about a lot is just because you're successful or something is successful doesn't mean God is blessing it. Mm. Yeah, uh, I love that. I think that's one of the things we can easily, well, this is massive, It's people love it, it must be of God. Mm. Uh, that's not the way God always works. And so I think the challenge is always, and again, I think Jeremy does this, is not to be pointing fingers at people, but, <clears throat> but to be <laughs> reflecting ourselves. And what does this mean for me? And so that's what I found. What does this mean for me? Rather than thinking, well, look at that church or look at that ministry, because I think when we start to judge, we begin to sin. So that may be some of my thoughts. Mm. Yeah, so good. Drake, what do you think? I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, there's so much to, 
there's so much to say on it. I, I think one of the interesting things is um, he writes about the the tension between like falling into cynicism and disengagement. So I guess I guess what interests me is the is what you do with the observations you have. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and obviously, so in a sense, the whole book is in a sense. Uh, uh, Jeremy's observations of his experience within mm. the, a system, um, and and we're all going to have different um, different takes on that because we will have experienced it in different ways. And and, and again, there's some su- subtle but big differences between UK US scenarios, etc., mm. which we need to take into account. But I think I think what interests me more than the specifics are are the are the how do we respond because I think. Mm. You know, there's such a, uh, you know, there's such a trap of 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 of, of falling into permanent cynicism mm. about uh, worship, and it, and for me, uh, I guess that was one of the things. It's interesting because for me, that was one of the things that propelled me into studying theology of contemporary worship because I all I read on it was critical, mm. <laughs> and. Uh, so I wanted to be able to write the, th- robust theology that was positive and construct constructive rather than deconstructive. If you see what I mean. So, so I guess that for me that that's what I found fascinating because he talks about. Um, he's, I loved that there was a line where he says, "I remain yet a prisoner of hope," mm. and I thought that was that was brilliant. That and obviously that that language of prison. Prisoner echoes kind of New Testament, you know, Pauline language. So it's something quite powerful to phrase it like that. Nah. That's in prison. And, and interesting, you know, Paul and Silas in prison singing, all that. that. That sense of, even though what we observe of contemporary worship might not be that pleasing to the eye right now, we're still hopeful. Of, and there's still good. And God's still at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this isn't like blow it all up and walk away and, you know, down on it forever it's like no 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 this is something precious to the heart of god and i think that comes through the whole book is his drive for the preciousness of of worship to god uh and so there is that very strong hope in it which so so i mean there's lots more i could say on that but in a nutshell i think that's what that's what interests me and excites me is, is because i think that tense that's really hard to do mm. yeah to to critique something and to stay hopeful and not fall into kind of tip over the edge into permanent cynicism. I love to push in on this one a bit because I think that's such a good point. And with people that I've talked to about this book, it's led to a lot of deconstructive conversations. And, um, but I actually, (laughs) I might be the only one, but I felt really encouraged reading the book and of course, you know, it led me to like a repentance thing, but that's always a good thing. And maybe that's my Catholic upbringing. I don't know. But if it's something that puts you before the feet of Jesus is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it inspired me to have hope and, and to do better. And and actually, I, I, I do think it's prophetic. He says this at one point, like he's writing this book in the middle of a pandemic where we've all had to stop and totally rethink how we're doing everything. Now in the UK, obviously, we're heading back into opening up again in a while. And and that's really interesting because I think everybody, um, and definitely as worship leaders and worship pastors, are like thinking about, okay, like how do we, how do we reset? What, 
what have we learned? Um, what are we learning? And how do we take that into this next season? Um, and so I think he's done, as you said, Nick, he's done a really good deconstruction. And I would just love to unpack a little bit with you guys. Like, how, how do you do that? Like, firstly, what is deconstructing? And how do you do it really well? Because we all know it's important, but it's so easy to tip into the other side of things. And I know that for myself personally. Like, I think it's kind of in human nature to deconstruct things. I know for me personally, it is... I have to watch that line very carefully when you just start to pull something apart until it's to an inch of its life. Mm. But then also how you do that with a team, because of course we want to, we want to be looking at everything that we're doing, but at what point does it tip into cynicism? And, and, you know, I looked at the definition of deconstruction, which is to examine, to take apart or examine in order to reveal the basis or composition, often with the intention of exposing biases, flaws or inconsistencies. So, you know, it's an important purifying process for sure. But and I also think there are voices out there who are deconstructing and some of them are not helpful. And I think it's important for us to just be aware of, for ourselves, of where uh, where it can tip into cynicism. So, uh, I don't know, can, can we talk about this for a minute? I'd love to hear from you guys what you think. Like, how, firstly for ourselves, what are some markers for you guys on deconstructing well? Like, where's mm. your line or whatever? Mm. Um, I'll, I'll just just jump off the back of that. Um, one of the things that I love um, that he says in the book, Jeremy, um, when he talks about the four markers of a worship reformer, and um, and he says the fourth marking on a of a worship reformer is a person who won't hesitate to do what needs to be done. Um, and you know, immediately our minds for scripture and, um, probably goes to Jesus turning, you know, the tip tables over in the temple like mm-hmm. that's that's the classic scripture that's cited for like deconstructing you know like oh let's just go into the church and throw everything up in the air and you know um sort of this slightly aggressive um um angle on it all but i i was really struck by something that he then says in a couple of paragraphs a couple of paragraphs later he says i invite you to go on this journey of cleansing the internal temple of your own heart mm. um and he and you know he talks about then like um uh, to walk around the walls of your internal city just as nehemiah did yeah and i just love that that, that it's got to start in us yes. it's got to start so this deconstructing deconstruction um you know deconstruction has to the only way that it feels authentic to me is when it's um really rooted in i've got to i've got to like address some stuff that's gone on in in myself internally it's got to start with us yeah. it can't just be a a critique or look at them, you know, I mean, we know that from scripture as well, like, you know, take out the plank in your own eye first before you want to judge others. And I think this so clearly what Jeremy's gone after as well in his book, like it's got to start with a personal repentance, a personal desire and pursuit of purity before it's, before it looks like, you know, just shooting from the hip and, and sort of just, blabbering out any old stuff um which is so easy to do isn't it like it's so easy to kind of um 
be unthought through in this stuff and just sort of critique and throw a whole bunch of negativity out there. But actually, um, who, who mentioned something about hope? You know, we've, we've got to go yeah. after prisoner of hope. We've got yeah. to keep going after that in our personal pursuit yes. of cleansing. Um, so I think I know it's so important, I think, to deconstruct deconstruction in this time as well and figure out what is of the Lord and what isn't. Yeah. And I suppose in that, what you're saying is like, what, what's me in this, in this, whatever is irking yeah. me in this, whatever is like the worship industry or yeah. whatever it might be, a culture in your church or whatever. What is it that's, why is it making me feel uncomfortable? I think I heard someone, I think it was at Will Vanderhart say recently um, in a different context about if something makes him feel uncomfortable, he pays very close attention to that in himself. Yeah, and push into it. Rather than, I think sometimes the whole thing of public deconstruction is you're actually, you're pushing it away from you. <laughs> or it's actually let it come in and like say, okay, well, why, why am I feeling so uncomfortable with that? Um, yeah, I don't know, what about others? What do you think? Well, I think that's all right. I'm all good, isn't it? And true. I think the, the hard thing with deconstruction personally is um the philosopher goethe says man sees in the world what he carries in his heart and so even our deconstruction of something the worship movement in industry is going to be shaped by our brokenness maybe our disappointments about how things worked out for us or our own personal preferences and so that's what i think deconstruction that happens out of the context of community is very dangerous, personally, because Out, you mean outside of community. Yeah, that that <clears throat> I've been. I'm nervous of people who aren't grappling with this in the context of friendship and community. Right. So for us, it's really healthy to be able to deconstruct what do we see happening in worship and the ind- and we've got different points. And actually, um, we all see things a bit differently. We kind of help perhaps um, weed out that's you know some things that I see that actually is my issues my egos my hurts my disappointments that actually aren't necessarily fair or of God you know and again we, we can often think of God and ourselves as the same thing uh, when we're thinking about deconstruction um, <laughs> is that right Tim this is very uh, but no very I, I think if we're honest we kind of some, our, our opinion is gospel whereas actually we need to remember sometimes our opinion is our opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's why I think it's really healthy to have these conversations with friends. You're all part of a community where you can yeah. challenge each other. It's like, really? Is that how you think this is? So that, I guess that's some of the things I, I think when we're deconstructing, having the humility and awareness to recognize what's my issue mm-hmm. is really important because at the same time, there clearly is things that God is saying, God is perhaps wanting to speak into in terms of, worship and purity and holiness yeah. and tim like just because we we all moved up to birmingham um together to you know plant this church and many of us have journeyed previous to that but um you know and we're all as you can tell very agreeable nature and just do whatever <laughs> tim says basically as yes, the pastor yes. of the church yes, you, know, yes. you cannot do yes. no wrong no <laughs> the truth is like we've really journeyed this haven't we we've really lived this and uh you know, as a worship leader or worship pastor, you, you get this, you're in this scenario as well where people will bring their opinions and their deconstruction. And 
Tim, I'd love to ask you, like, how do you how do you navigate that when you have people in your team who have strong, good opinions? You can see all their stuff as well. How do you not let it discourage you? And also, then, how do you take the good bits? Like, how how do you kind of collate the deconstruction? But that's what I think you need. We need that gift of listening and not reacting. That's the the killer with social media. Mm-hmm. everyone sees something bang 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 puts all this stuff out without the space to think and reflect and you know i always try and when anyone brings criticism try and think uh, what, what is perhaps the kernel is there a kernel of truth in this something that actually do you know there's a fair point there or you know i kind of hear what you're trying to say but it's being kind of lost in some other stuff that's not so helpful perhaps um and I think, yeah, just we need time to reflect. And as I said, you know, sometimes people will bring stuff that feels whew, a bit hurtful or quite full on. You need a few people to process it with, which, again, comes back to that community thing. Like yeah. they said this, is that right? Is that fair? Um, I think that's why we need team and family to outwork this stuff because we, we don't all see perfectly. Yeah. See in part. What about you, Herbs? What were your reflections? Um, I, I think, cause it's a really good question, isn't it? Like practically, how do you then do this? You know? And I think, um, for me, it's about asking good questions, mm. like learning to ask really good questions. Like why do we do, or why do I do what I do? Like, what is the reason behind making a decision? Um, and other good questions, which are, what is the spirit of God doing? You know, what is the spirit of God saying to the church mm. at the moment? Like what, what do we sense he wants to reveal to us? I think one of the key verses I've found in this time, actually, just with decision-making, is, um, is in Peter. I'll just read this in the message. But it says, just thinking about people who are overseeing things, and because obviously deconstruction also assumes, if you're commenting into it, it assumes that there is something as well that you are overseeing that you can then deconstruct. So it's yeah. kind of like... Um, it's in the message and it it just says in Peter, I have special concern for you church leaders. I know what it's like to be a leader in on Christ's sufferings as well as the coming glory. Um, So all the stuff Tim's talking about, the the complexities of being in it and out of it. And at the same time, here's my concern that you care for God's flock with all the diligence of a shepherd, not because you have to, but because you want to please God, not calculating, calculating what you can get out of it but acting spontaneously not bossly telling others what to do but tenderly showing them the way and I think that's really been speaking to me I just did this whole just went through the book of Peter and the word that really stood out to me is this word diligence it's like this idea that when you're stewarding something and whatever that is and however small and insignificant that may feel to the rest of the world or to you the faithful thing that God's given you to do or whether it's quite a big thing and a big ministry and you're trying to like figure it out, just feel the word for me is, is not only on one level, it's deconstruction at another level, it's diligence. Like what actually, how can we manage something and oversee something in a way that honors God and actually then asking those questions in, in my heart, you know, what does it mean to care for God's people? Like, which it, you know, way above and beyond maybe the agenda I have in this moment for something or, or you know, um, even the current trends of what's being talked about. 
it's actually all about how can we make decisions, particularly when it comes to worship, because at the end of the day, worship is for God and for people. You know, you're wanting it to help people engage. So how are we going to make decisions that are not going to point people away from seeing God and, and it's helping worship. And mm. sometimes those things can be really complicated, actually. They're not straightforward because it, you know, because actually the, the sort of, if you're taking a purist view on all of this, it'd be like, why does, why does God even use us, you know, for worship? Do you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, his glory could just come. We would all just rock up. Could you imagine a Sunday? We all gather so like, like in Chronicles, Lord, just let your glory fall. We pray for that all the time. That's what we want. But more often than not, what tends to happen is we sometimes see those incredible moments when it, it doesn't seem to be mediated at all through any human intervention. But then a lot of the times God is using um, people to outwork his plans. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do that, it gets really complicated because everyone's fallen and broken and messy and has yeah. egos and has this stuff. So... It's trying to, I think what Tim says, brilliant. It's being in community, working together, and then you can kind of shape and work together to diligently oversee this thing, given that everyone's broken. Mm. I think off the back of that as well, and then Drake, it'd be great to hear um, what you're thinking. But um, (laughs) many things. (laughs) What's so so funny about. (laughs) He's always thinking. Um, But I I think. Nick is chomping away in a whisper bar as we're, <laughs> as we're deconstructing worship. It's, oh, it's not even Anna, t- Anna <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. Um, I think just as just really good that, but I think just to zoom out um, on what is what is Jeremy trying to achieve in the book, and and what are we trying to achieve by deconstructing contemporary worship or something? I, I think I think it's important to see, you know at the heart of it is a passion for worship is a passion for the church for worship for purity for god so i think that's that's key and it's almost like again if you're talking about well how to how do you deconstruct well or how do you critique because what we're not saying um is no one should critique the church or you know so 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 obviously there's a real place for that and and the prophetic voice and all that um, and I guess one of the key uh, ways to do that healthily is that there's always at the core of it a passion for the church. You know, it's done out of love for the church, yes. love for the heart of God, love for purity. And I think that really comes through in Jeremy's book, you know, really yeah. strongly. Yeah. And I think that's a personal challenge to, to all of us who want to engage in deconstruction and, and critique mm-hmm. um, is, hey, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, is it for me? Is it, or, or is it for, is it to, um serve i mean that's the question on everything we do yeah is it for me or is it to serve and if it's to serve how do i fit in the body of christ it, like is there a place for that in the body of christ is, it, do you know what i mean is it, it does it link in well mm. with, with other stuff that's that's working together as the body mm. um and then i think my second thought is and this is a deeper thought deeper note uh is uh that well, it's based off Nick, what, what Herb's just brought, the gold that Herb's just brought us, which is basically all worship on earth is fallen. Discuss. Mm-hmm. That's huge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, because we know, we know that all humans on earth are fallen, as long as we believe in the doctrine of the fall. Yeah. 
uh, so basically all humans have fallen, which links to this leadership discussion and all that. But I guess it's another thing to then say all worship's fallen. Mm. And that's quite interesting because it's like, oh gosh, it feels quite jarring, doesn't it? But ultimately, uh, and I, I, this is just fresh thinking right now, I, I think it is. Mm. And I think it's really interesting because, and that's what Herb's saying, that as soon as you've got partnership between us and him, uh, it, it's not going to be pure heaven because mm. it's us. Mm. Um, and we know that the way God works is us and him, that, that, that it's partnership during this period on earth now, um, before the second coming, it's partnership. And in fact, after the second coming, you know, we'd, uh, it, we're designed to rule and reign with him. Uh, in partnership and so so i think that's really interesting because if all worship's fallen because you have this strand all through the church of people trying to align earthly worship with heaven and also if you get it close enough you 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 have heaven and i'm not sure that's true and i think if you hold that view uh you, you you're gonna be disappointed and you're gonna have to deconstruct <laughs> you just see what i mean um, because it's not, it's not possible because it's us. Mm. So I think that's my deeper thought right now, which is a slightly unformed thought, but mm. uh, I think we're touching on that kind of area because I know, and just to finish that point as an example, I know that, you know, the, the Dead Sea Scroll communities, some of the communities living in between the Old and New Testament, anticipating a Messiah. You know, there was this element of we've got to remove ourselves, be so pure, be so like heaven in our worship patterns that mm. mirror heaven, that we will be this pure, special worship community. And it's just not, you know, it, it's not the case. Um, mm. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really brilliant point, which is why when deconstructing, which I think we all agree is a really important thing that we always do as leaders, that we, we maintain grace because we are fallen. Like I, I just read it, it's quite popular book at the moment uh i won't mention which one but it it is talking about trying to build healthy culture but they use a couple of examples of people who've fallen from grace honestly by the end of it i found it deeply uncomfortable to listen to because there's like maybe using some examples that help make a point but then it felt it was so kind of laboring everything that went wrong you just like oh my it felt like it lacked a bit of grace and just like where's the sense of forgiveness and redemption and, and and again there's been so much abuse in the church which is horrific and absolutely needs to be called out and we mustn't you know that sort of shallow view of well you know we can forgive and move on you know there needs to be justice and people need to be disciplined and authority needs to you know, all of that stuff 100% agree but Within any deconstruction, I just think there needs to be grace. And, and actually recognizing that sometimes the things that offend us, we can assume they're not God, <laughs> that God doesn't work how we work. <laughs> God doesn't think how we think. And actually, I've learned over the years, some of the things that initially I found quite offensive and jarring, actually I found I learned so much about God. Because he doesn't work how we want him to work. He doesn't, he doesn't work within our neat, tidy boxes. And that can be very frustrating for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Oh, guys, so much more to um, to push into, and, and this is the great thing. We've got Jeremy locked in for a live session. Um, I think um, one one thought maybe for us to kind of um, uh, hang it up on, on here is um, it's just this whole thing that he talks, and we've touched on it as well, just wanting to see um, some newness as well. So to come out of this deconstructive um uh, thinking or moment um, into hope, into like the newness, into what is God doing? It, yeah. it, what is he? What is he saying? What's he going to do on the earth um, next? And I love how um, Jeremy kind of talks about these these new vineyards. And um, obviously, this is connected to the whole worship industry and all that. But I really feel like it's applicable to our own lives, our own hearts, and our churches as well. He says, "Our mission in life isn't to figure out how to live with the broken constructs of existing enterprises. It's to build new ones on." firm biblical foundations mm-hmm. um, it, it's something that we're in um, desperately in need of and so we just pray that as people are reading this book as people are deconstructing as people are thinking and praying and asking in community and having conversations over zoom and coffees um, we just pray spirit of god come and speak to us what are you saying to us your church at this time we want to be so attentive to your voice holy spirit and see your vision for our lives your vision for your church your vision for our cities and communities that you've placed us in so come holy spirit we pray and uh, we're looking to so look Looking forward to so much more that you've got to teach us. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to listen to a, a new track now from Gas Street Music called By the Grace of God. This has been a song that's been really resonating in our worship life at Gas Street. Uh, we hope it does for you too. Uh, check it out. for joining us for this episode um, if you want to hear more from Jeremy Riddle uh, and also we're going to be talking more about the EP and how it came about with all the, the team of Gastric Music then just head to the website book in for those live sessions they're totally free of charge so we'll see you there